You're listening to Be Well with B, where I aim to uplift you through encouragement, information, and the Word of God, while promoting wellness of the spirit, soul, and body. I'm your host, Brittany Neesmith, and welcome back to another episode. Today is our final episode on our topic, Move. The letter E stands for Evolve. With that being said, let's get into it. So we're rounding everything out now. We started this month speaking about Abraham and how he moved when God told him to. And even when he looked like he was sitting still, he was still moving his people forward. We also talked about Joshua and the obstacles that he faced. Many different obstacles, but he continued to listen to God himself. And he continued to move himself forward and the people of Israel forward. Lastly, we talked about velocity and how the apostles opened themselves up to the Holy Spirit and allowed the Holy Spirit to move quickly in a specific direction, which was heavenward. Now, today we're talking about evolving, changing into the person you were meant to be. Evolve means to change or develop slowly, often into a better, more complex a more advanced state. We're going to break down and talk about three different people evolving. John, Apostle John, Jesus, and you. First, let's just talk about the concept of evolving. So I'm of the belief that science just confirms God in every way. So I've always believed in, yes, there is evolution. I don't technically subscribe. I just don't subscribe, not technically. I don't subscribe to Darwinism and what Darwin has going on because I've never once believed that I evolved from a monkey in any way. Especially being black in the South. That's just not something we're going to, we're just not going to do that. So that part, I remember being from a small town in a Bible Belt. It's like they got to opt. You had to either like people like raise Cain. Like I believe they were able to opt out their children from learning about evolution. As if we're not still going to run into these concepts later. But they did. It was like a whole big deal when the evolution topic comes up in school. That it like shut down the school halfway. And I'm like y'all bruh. You're going to believe whatever you want to believe. Whatever these teachers tell you in school is nothing. It's whatever you would already have a firm foundation in. Because the school is teaching all kinds of fully right now. But I make a point and so do my children's father to teach them on a firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Because right now they're teaching all kinds of things in school. Right? That's not going to stop what you believe. Evolution is all throughout the Bible. All throughout the Bible, God expresses evolution in people, in the world, in the land. It is constantly changing and moving into a different state. Of course, but literally from Genesis to Revelation, literally evolution takes place. I'm not going to sit and debate you. I'm not going to convince you of anything. Believe what you feel is right in your heart. If you don't want to believe in evolution, I just think that that's you okay if you go want to go subscribe to the fact that you think you came from a single cell organism and you came up through a neanderthal and a monkey and you know 
if you feel like that's you, okay. I'm not here to go over uh, scientific debates and theories because Darwin's idea of evolution is a theory, just like the Big Bang theory. All these theories don't change what God did because people are always, humans are always trying to make it make sense to them when God doesn't make sense to us because his ways are not our ways. He made us. So when we're trying to pull him down and put him into a box where we can understand, it's just we're constantly fighting against ourselves. So it's a waste of time. You know, when we're talking about evolution and evolving, I'm talking about you as a human evolving physically, mentally, spiritually, and soulishly. We're going to start with John. John the Apostle, the son of Zebedee, the fisherman, whose brother was James, who he claimed to be Jesus' beloved, you know, the most loved uh, disciple of Jesus, the one who Jesus left his mother to, to keep charge, like, watch over my mother. He left him to John. The one who was dubbed the one of the sons of thunder, okay? John went from being a fisherman to a disciple to the beloved father, uh, follower of Christ to an uh, apostle to the revelator, okay? The Revelations, he's the one who wrote that. He wrote four books in New Testament, the gospel according to John, first, second, and third John, and then Revelation. Now, second moment, look at Jesus. Jesus, who is a spirit. He was first a spirit. Then he came down and became a baby. So if evolution or evolving was a person, okay, most definitely was Jesus, came down, became a baby. Then he grew up, of course, become a prophet and a rabbi. He then moved towards the cross and was crucified and then was risen and was sitting and is sitting at the right hand of the father. But one of the most important parts I want people to understand is Jesus also does just, he don't just sit there. He doesn't just sit by the father and waiting for you. He is also the conqueror, the one who sits on the white horse. Okay. Ready to come fight for you. What? Yes. Then there's us human beings, you, me, we started as children born into sin and we're, then we are active sinners and we come into our bondage. Then we get saved when we accept Jesus Christ. Some of us become empowered when we receive the Holy Spirit. And then we get elevated when we start performing the greater works that Jesus said what we would do. This is through our relationship with God. This is through our understanding of God. Basically, I'm going to start in Revelations. When I was a child, I wish I could really date my time. I was probably like 13, between like 11 and 13. One of my punishments used to be to read Revelations. <laughs> So my, my dad wouldn't whoop, like he wouldn't whoop us. Like we didn't get whoopings by him. Let's be very clear. Most definitely got whoopings as a child, but he didn't whoop me. <laughs> so what he would do is I would still get punishments. And he would be like, go in there and go read Revelation. Go get your Bible, read Revelation. And so I would like actually go read Revelation. Cause I think he's asked me questions. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Now my problem is as a child who just did something bad, <laughs> 
I would read it and I never, like I realized I evolved from reading Revelation from that point to where I am now is I was, I'm in two totally different places or I have different places I was once was. He would read, I would read it and I would just get so afraid because the stuff that happens in it, it's like, if I don't get, whatever I did wrong is never that deep, but like if I don't get my life together, I'm going to be here when this stuff happens. I remember like, oh my God, there used to be a movie. What was the movie called with the guy from Growing Pains and it talks about like, the last days and stuff. It's a whole movie. Somebody help me. But that movie, I, I also watched that movie. I think it's like two or three of them. It was books and they turned into movies. I just was like, Lord, I don't want to see these things come up out the earth and the water and the horns and the heads and all the stuff is doing, it's just a lot happening, right? I don't recall finishing Revelations as a child. So, the revelation of Jesus Christ is is that is not glorifying the things, the beasts, right? But as an adolescent, that's all I remember. I remember reading the Bible again. I think I talked about like I read the Bible multiple times completely. Read it. I read and studied Revelation recently. Not um, not just for this episode, but I think in the month of January, I just studied Revelation. And the empowerment I got, because when I finish it, I see that it is not just about... It's not just about the last days as far as what's going to happen on the earth. It's all about Jesus coming back glorified, doing exactly what he said he was going to do. That's come back for his people. And like, it's beautiful. Like, at the end of Revelation is the most beautiful thing in the world. Like, that's what we're, that's what we're living for. That's what we're doing. That's what we're working for is to get to that. But one of my favorite, most important things that happens is that we see Jesus in a totally different way. I feel like people trap Jesus in different areas in their mind and they don't let him be who he completely is so you either keep jesus as just a spirit or you keep jesus as sweet baby jesus that you pray to like in that one movie the race car movie or you have jesus just the teacher giving you beatitudes and feeding people with fish and bread right or they have jesus who's just been beaten and crucified people sometimes just stop there and I noticed that sometimes they just stop at the Jesus being harmed for you. Then there's the Jesus who goes down to down to the grave and comes back up risen. And he ascends. Right? So he rises from the dead, ascends to heaven, is seated with the Father. And most people stop there. Like literally, that's it. They don't see him no other way. The Jesus I'm paying attention to right now, mind you, he is all of those. He is every single one of them all at the same time. Because when you're omnipotent, you could do that. Jesus, so Revelation 9-11, I'm sorry, 19-11. Jesus is on a white horse with many crowns on his head. He has a name written on him that no man knew. His robe is dipped in blood And the armies of heaven follow him, who are also dressed in white, or dressed in white and on white horses. He has a two-edged sword coming from his mouth. 
I also forgot to say that he also has flames of fire's eyes. Okay. Come and he literally comes to defeat people. The the two beasts that are on the earth at that time who are deceiving a bunch of people. So this so when I was a child that used to like freak me out that I wouldn't know or I would like I would never want to be one of the ones who were deceived. Right? Like I used to that used to like seriously concern me. So <laughs> it's not funny. But like it's it used to concern me. Like I don't want to be naive. I don't want to miss God. I don't want to misunderstand like what I'm doing. I know that pretty much like I talked about last episode that I got baptized when I was thirteen. I really feel like that had a lot to do with it. Because I didn't want to miss God. I didn't want to be deceived and be here and allow the foolery of these beasts to send me to hell. Absolutely not. Now, as, you know, an adult, and even before now, but now I could put it into words. I know it's easy for others, for some people to be deceived. And I get it, kind of. But the truth that you only get deceived when you're just not searching for God. With your whole heart. Because he tells you in Jeremiah 29. That you you search for him in your whole heart. You're going to find him. He's not. If you, those of us who are searching for him. Those of us who are reading the word. Spending time with him. Having cononia. Who just really just setting apart themselves. To do what's right. Repenting. You're not going to be perfect. You are going to sin. But living a repentant life. You're not going to get deceived. You're not, not if you're continually going, like, don't stop. Don't think that you arrived to a point because there's everything we're about to talk about now. Today's episode is going to let you know you don't ever arrive to God until you're like dead and gone and it passed over. And then when he calls us up, okay, because baby, you ain't going to like as you're living, as you're breathing and living, there's no end to this. There is no end to this. Which is good because you ever have a goal and you achieve your goal and then you look around like, what do I do now? Perfect examples at work, my W-2 job. Okay. My W-2 job was a huge obstacle. I get into the situation. Everything is wrong. It's like I walk into chaos. I, I, I knew it wasn't going to be easy. But the chaos was much larger and much more spread out than I thought it would be. So it's like, okay, I thought I was focused on one thing. I had to focus on everything at one time. So it took a couple years of going through associates, hiring and firing people, disciplining people, working myself, overly working myself, heart like hurting my arm almost like developing carpal tunnel over this job it was a whole situation okay staying at work one o'clock two o'clock in the morning to finish the work because I did not have people doing the work of like multiple people at one time as one person because I didn't have the people or the quality of people and then eventually I get one person boom then I get another person boom then I got a next person. Boom. I fired one of them. Got another person. Boom. One, somebody quit. This job's too much. Okay. Got another person. 
All right, so this person here is going to be doing that. This person there is going to be doing that. And next thing you know, we look up and we're at the top. Started literally from the bottom. Now we're here. Literally the last. Okay, literally the last. And then, then we get to the top. But the thing about being at the top, which I just found out yesterday, specifically, is that when you're at the top, people want your spot so bad. Because you make it look easy. You make it look good. Even though they don't know how hard and how long it took us to get there. We worked hard. My people worked hard. We got to the top. Now, we're just going to maintain our spot at the top. Now, we see that people, like, you're hungry, little cannibals, you're out here trying to get to our spot. Okay, that's fine. I'm just that type of competitive. And for me, so are my associates, so it makes it more fun. I'm not crazy because we're all like this. <laughs> but I had got to a point before now, before the reinvigorating my competitiveness with my job, where I sat there and I looked, I said, okay, this is done. This is done. I have amassed a solid team. Now I no longer have to do all the things where my hand was in several pots. My hands are almost in no pots at this point. And I was like, what do I do with myself? And so I was like, I, I didn't have anything to do. Nothing pressing. There's stuff to do. Of course, it's work, but nothing like not in the way that I once was. Because for two years, that's all I knew was running, running, running. And next thing you know, you made it. And it's like, what's next? This is strange. It's a strange feeling when you go from pushing in a certain direction. Does that make sense? When you go from striving so hard for something and then you're all of a sudden there. And you don't realize you're there at first because you're still striving, trying to push, push, push. And like, oh, wait, we're we are here. We made it to the destination that we've we've requested to be at. We're here. That's nice. That's interesting. Now what? And it got very, very, very boring. Okay. Like I like boring until recently, like I said yesterday, now you get me excited again. Cause you know why now it's just, I'm going to enjoy watching other people work hard to try to get to our spot. We've made it. We know how to continue to stay there the right way. We're not doing anything wrong. We're not cutting corners or anything. We're doing it the right way and we're working hard together as a team. So it makes it the value higher. And so to see other people competing with us at this point actually is is engaging. So you engage someone like me again. Cause like, oh. So I'm not bored at the top. Thank you. Because honestly, I thought we were not going to be doing anything fun anymore. Now it's going to give me another job. <laughs> Literally. Now. Circling back. So in Revelations 1, 1, 10 through 16. So in Revelation, when John is, he's exiled to the Isle of Patmos for being a disciple of Christ and preaching that Christ is crucified and is raised from the dead. He's coming back for you. He gets exiled because, you know, they were actively killing Christians and trying to terrorize and kill the disciples specifically. Now, in Acts, John was in the upper room when him and Peter go to the temple. He is one of the ones who helped raise a man up and have him walk who was sitting at the gate called Beautiful. In Revelations 1, 
John says, on the Lord's day, he was in the spirit. He heard a great voice. Now, after he heard that voice speak, he turns around and he sees seven lampstands. And then one, as he says, like unto the son of man, who is Jesus, who is dressed in a robe with gold around it, around the waist. And his head and hair were white. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burning brass. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. And he had seven stars in his right hand. And out of his mouth was a two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shining. We're going to start where John is. John is just praising God on a Sunday. Or technically a Saturday for him. So he's just... Praising God, he's in the spirit. I mean, he's praying involuntarily fasting. He is making do with the time that he has. He's not just sitting there being idle. He's not sitting there being, woe is me. Imagine if he was on the Isle of Patmos complaining to God that he's been, you know, exiled. We wouldn't have revelation. He wouldn't be able to see all the things he saw. So he was focused on one thing. And that was the Lord. So I allowed him to hear Jesus. And now Jesus says who he is. He gives him directions to give to the seven churches. And then while he's doing all that, like he's sitting there, he's taking all the information down. He's reading, he's seeing, he's seeing angels. There's a part in Revelation 4. So three chapters later, after he's been in the spirit, the Lord, he hears another voice coming from heaven that says John come up hither so John goes up higher then he sees the plethora of things more angels beasts the throne room of God he sees the elders around falling down casting their crowns and praising God he's there when the seals are broken he is there listening to the angels give him instructions and show him where to look. He sees at the end an angel standing in the sun. That one gets me every time. And he sees all these different kinds of angels, strong angels, angels who are just speaking, the ones who are flying around. Uh, the, he sees the lamb with his multi eyes and multi horns, which is also Jesus. Because they had seven seals. On the seventh seal that was open, they couldn't, he, he thought that they couldn't find anyone worthy to open the seals. He began to cry. They're like, well, don't cry. The lamb is going to, this one that is worthy, the lamb is going to come open the seal. And he sees the lamb and his multiple eyes. The lamb had seven eyes and seven horns, which were the seven spirits of the Lord. The lamb that was slain, a.k.a. Jesus. So, add it to part of his evolution. So, John is able to witness a lot of different things because he opened himself up to be changed. Meaning, the moment Jesus said to follow me, he went. He felt in his spirit that this is who I should follow. When they walk, you know, their journey in lives with Jesus... And they believed what he believed. And they move forward. Like John is there when he's crucified. John is there through a lot of the things. 
when they opened themselves up to receive the Holy Spirit. And then he went forth. And he went forward preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. So much so that he gets, I don't want to say John is one who got boiled in a pot of oil and comes out. John went through a lot of stuff for Jesus, for representing Christ in the world. John being on, so I think he was on the Isle of Patmos before they tried to boil him in water or in uh, oil. So while he's on the Isle of Patmos, he's opened himself up in such a way that he's able to see things and prophecies and just a lot of different symbols and just being able to see the throne of God is wild. And he's not the only one to have ever done it because as it's mentioned the throne of God several times pretty consistent to each other of the beings that are around God of how the throne looks the different type of materials that it's made from it's pretty consistent now John had to be in a certain place spiritually physically he is on a an island by himself, literally. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's some other people there. Because Patmos is a decent-sized island. But he's in a spot where he don't have nobody. Probably no food. Probably no clean water. So he is just there, drying up. But instead of, like I said before, wallowing in his sorrow, he chose to stay in the spirit. And because he stayed in the spirit, he was able to see the throne of God. He was able to see Jesus Christ again because I'm pretty sure he thought he wasn't going to be able to see him again until he passed on. He was able to see Jesus, but not just Jesus as he knew him. He was able to see Jesus glorified unto himself, to who he was supposed to be, all the different versions. He's seen Jesus in the white robe around lampstands. Then he's seen Jesus as the slain lamb with multiple eyes and horns. Then he sees Jesus on a white horse with flames in his eyes or eyes of fire with the crowns ready to come and fight. Now, my the most important part, the part that gets me, I guess what we're going to talk about when we speak about Jesus, is that both times when he misses seeing Jesus, you know, in human form, he has a sword, a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. In First John, John breaks down the word of God, which brings us to Jesus, the word of God, the slain lamb, the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus. Now, in First John, I'm sorry, in John chapter one, verses one through five, we're gonna go over. Um, three different translations of it. Okay. Three different translations because they all hit different and they kind of build on top of each other and amplify, at least for me. I don't know if you're going to get as excited as I got. We're going to start with KJV. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him 
was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. That's KJV. The word was with God. The word was God. The word being Jesus. This is him as his spirit form. Because we're going back to the beginning. When God was hovering over the face of the water. Jesus was with him there. MSG. The message Bible. The word was first. The word present to God. God present to the word. The word was God. In readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through him. Nothing. Not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life, and the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. Now, this amplified version hits different. So we're listening to these two. This is all saying the same thing, but this version hits different and I want it to hit different for you. Okay. It says in the beginning, before all time was the word Christ and the word was with God and the word was God himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. All things were made and came into existence through him. And without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being. In him was life and the power to bestow life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines on in the darkness. And the darkness did not understand it, overpower it, or appropriate it. Or absorb it and is unreceptive to it. Where's the emoji? That was deep. What is that saying? That is saying the light of men, which is Jesus, the light that shines through you, right? Is so powerful. That the darkness, that's your situations, that's your mindset, that's uh, your how you grew up, that's actual demons, that's actual witches, that's actual darkness. Satan himself cannot understand the light, overpower the light, appropriate the light, or absorb the light, and doesn't and is unreceptive to the light. So the Amplified Version is saying something deeper to us or is breaking it down, like really dissecting something important for us to understand that the darkness that is attacking your life cannot understand, overpower, appropriate, absorb, and it's unreceptive to the light. Where there is light, there is no darkness. Where there's light, there's no darkness. Darkness and light cannot dwell in the same place. I used to have to repeat that to myself a lot. Darkness and light do not dwell in the same place. Meaning the stuff that you have gone through, the things you think is dark inside of you. Once you have received the light of Christ, the darkness cannot be there. 
There is, there is no place for darkness in your life. There is no place for it, not when you have the light of Christ. The light could not comprehend the darkness. And darkness used in the Greek is katalabano, which means to lay hold of, to seize upon, to detect, to lay hold of with the mind, to understand and perceive. That's what the darkness cannot do. Okay, so the darkness cannot understand the light. It cannot perceive the intended meaning of it. The darkness cannot overpower the light. It cannot defeat or overcome it with superior strength. The darkness cannot appropriate the light, which is to take something for oneself, well, for one's own use without the owner's permission. The darkness cannot absorb the light to take it in or soak it up. The darkness is unreceptive to the light, which is not willing to consider or accept any new suggestions or ideas. Where you're at now, when you fully get an understanding of what the light is and that the light is Christ, greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. Greater is he. So that's the spirit of God. That's the the light of God through Jesus Christ. He's that one. He's the one. He is that light within you. He is that thing that pushes out the darkness. You are, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus lives within you. And greater is that spirit, that light. So when they say you're, you're, you're a lamp on, you're the light. You're the house on a hill. You're the lamp on the lampstand. You're not being covered up. You have to let your little light shine. Okay, like the song said, but your light isn't really little. Now, is it? Your light is as small. Especially though there's people with very, very bright, brilliant lights. That is one of the main reasons you get attacked. If your bright is if your light is so bright and you don't know how to defend or protect and set up things for yourself, because some of us don't know growing up, that's not gonna stop the attacks from coming. The darkness tries to swallow you up, but you already see where it cannot absorb you. It cannot absorb you. It cannot take in or soak up your light. You can't try to force your light on somebody because someone who's living in darkness willingly will not. Uh, understand or consider to accept that they're unreceptive. Okay. People who are living in darkness don't understand why you feel the way you do. They don't understand why you are so gung-ho for this Jesus Christ. Also, the people of darkness also cannot overpower you. There's not uh, anything they can send to you that's going to take you down. Nothing. Now, the light which is Jesus. Again, two times it's mentioned that he, his eyes are flames of fire and there's a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. The word of God is a two-edged sword according to Hebrews. Wait a minute, let's back it up. Let's, let's do some mathematics. You know, I like to do that. <laughs> For someone who doesn't like math, but we have to put this together. If Jesus is the word of God, the word of God is a two-edged sword. 
the word, the sword of the spirit and the armor of God, which is the only weapon that you have in the armor of God. But I love that it makes sure it mentions that you have it. It's a two-edged sword. Jesus is Jesus and Jesus is the sword and Jesus is the word. He's all of that. So when you're reading the Bible, like I said before, you're, that's Jesus. When you're speaking it back out, it's Jesus. But when you're speaking it back out, especially with your authority understanding, like getting that comprehension that this is Jesus. Jesus also is that light that darkness cannot comprehend or understand or come against. And the fact is a two-edged sword means it's going to cut you going in and cut you coming out. That it... it uh, That the two-edged sword pierces even dividing the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. And it knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's what the two-edged sword, the spirit, the two-edged sword of Jesus, the word of God does. And you can see that if you study the Bible, if you actually read the Bible, literally read it. Not reading it to, I heard something yesterday, this young man said he changed, his life changed when he went from reading the Bible to um, know it and then reading the Bible to apply it because those are two different things. When you begin to read the Bible to apply it, you are applying a weapon. You, you are, you are arming yourself literally with a weapon. Not like a little something that is a a two-edged sword. Like the, what I'm trying to say to you is that the word of God, when spoken, cuts down everything standing in your way. If someone is choosing to stand in your way, the word of God slices them in half. If someone is choosing to try to set up traps against you, the word of God cuts them down. If your thoughts, because you had trauma in your life, are standing against you, the word of God cuts it down. Speedily. Speedily. So when I was reading Revelation, I seen that for the second time uh, towards the end that Jesus is on a white horse preparing for a war. Like it's like literally, I think the subtitle is like the battle or whatever, something, something like preparing for a war because the beasts on the earth, the two annoying beasts who are like deceiving people and like doing wild stuff is preparing and gathering their army of these Kings. And Jesus has his army of his angels, but like his weapon, like his words are the weapon. The words. Jesus don't have to come down there and do nothing to you. He just has to open up his mouth. Okay. So we're going to take that for comprehension for a moment. We're going to hold on to that thought. We're going to move it back over to if Jesus said the greater works we would do than he does. If the sword of the spirit is the word of God. If the word of God is Jesus Christ. If this sword cuts soul from the spirit. All you have to do is open your mouth. I literally, like, 
had this talk with these kids last night. And they were complaining about the country they were living in, in America. And I just had to stop them because they're young and they're, you know, they were annoying me because something about the word. And I tell people this all the time, like your words have so much power and they are forced to create. So when you start to speak out, you're creating something. So I told the kids, I was like, hey, I call them kids. They were my associates. I was like, hey, I want y'all to understand. Like, I I get that y'all have your own opinions and feelings. That's great and all. Congratulations. But be mindful of your words because your words are forced to create something. And they were looking at me like, oh, no, no, I know words are powerful. You can't because what you're doing is you're speaking negatively. We live here. <laughs> we live here. Okay. What you complaining for? You live here. I know, but you live here. Therefore, you don't speak bad about the country you're living in. That's wild. People do it all the time. Why are you speaking bad about it? Are you doing this continuously creating this exact issue that you're saying? Your words are so powerful. So powerful. No matter if you think that you're not going to be able to fix something, you think that nothing, like, whatever, why don't you say what you want to do? What, why don't you say what you want to have happen and then see if you can do it yourself? Because maybe you should put your words into action because... I don't like what people say idle words and say things that they're not even willing to create on their own. That irritates me. Don't open up your mouth unless you're willing to do something. Most definitely don't open up your mouth and continuously perpetuate the same issues you're crying and saying that's here. Crying about Black History Month. Why do we even have that? <laughs> Sir, you have to ask them people who made it up. Okay? You have to ask those folks what their reasons were. Okay, because you feel a type of way because you, you know, you feel like you weren't involved with it. Like you have to, that's something you have to search online to figure that out. I can't tell you, but why would you complain about it? Why would you speak bad about it? Why would you speak bad about if you're living here and you're sitting here condemning the place where you live? Like, what are you setting up for yourself in the future? That's for any country. You don't have to agree. He didn't agree with the government. He didn't, I'm like, I don't know. I tell you, you sound very, you sound like an anarchist. <laughs> He's like, spell that word. I was like, I'm not going to spell it. And I also don't use words that I don't know how to spell. But you and I both know. I said, do you know what an anarchist is? He was like, yes, I know. Okay, then kid. Uh, watch your mouth. Like this, watch your mouth. Your words could be a noose around your neck which they were doing or it could be a weapon of war to forge the destiny and desires that you're supposed to do that is supposed to be achieved by you that's what your words could be doing then you take the word of God and amplify your life by speaking that I was praying for this young lady, which I was kind of thrusting into praying for her. Um, cause I realized I, like, I know, I realized I don't go, I don't know. I was praying for this young lady. She was in a, a situation and may still currently be in that situation. I honestly don't know. Um, but I had sent her 
I started to ramp up. I realized like I was like at work, I was doing something. So I was like, okay, so I, you know, I said some things, but I can't help myself. Sometimes I just started declaring. And so the declarations are the word of God. And so I had paused and I, the other two that were there was like, oh, I thought you were going to keep going. I was like, oh, I mean, I, I can. I didn't know how long y'all have. If I start on the tirade, baby, we're going to keep speaking it. I'm going to keep shooting these darts. I'm going to keep slicing that whatever's going on because you didn't came to me and you can't just come past me and not be changed. Like you can't, you can't break, present me with a problem, like something like what she was going through. And for you to just random person, I don't know, connect with me. You, something serious is happening. Something serious. Like it's so odd. I don't believe in coincidences. So the, me getting to you and knowing your information is super odd. So now it's time for me to pray. And you know what I pray? I pray the word of God. So I'd sent her a text message the next morning with a prayer, which is declarations of the word of God. And she responded back and said, well, two, it was a group chat. Both of them said the same thing. Oh my gosh, that was beautiful. Um, Thank you so much. So nice. It was beautiful and something else. And I was like, I could have said thank you. But those aren't my words. <laughs> those aren't my words. That's the word of God. And so I said, well, the word of God is beautiful and powerful. I said, you pray the word of God. You don't pray your feelings. Okay. You pray the word of God. You do not pray your feelings. Because your feelings have you praying who knows what. But the word of God is constant. It is strong. It is a sharpshooter. It's a straight arrow. It is a two-edged sword. That's what you pray. You're you're in a situation. You pray the word of God. You need to be uplifted. Pray the word of God. You need to be um, encouraged. Pray the word of God. You have a situation. You sad. You pray the word of God. You you joyful. Pray the word of God. You're unhappy. You're angry. Whatever it is. When I get angry, I'm like God. Give me the grace to make it through this day. <laughs> There's a prayer that I'm constantly praying. Give me the grace, Lord. Because I know you you are the only one with the grace to get me through this. You are the only one with the grace to make me overcome this battle that I'm in. Of my mind or my mouth. Because I speak very recklessly to people. One of my kids last night said, not my children, but one of my work kids last night says, I remember you told us that you were going to give us up to the state. <laughs> said my analogy my I don't have normal conversations I have to illustrate everything like there's no just having a normal conversation with me I have to illustrate it and so trying to explain to them how they're upsetting me because they're not following directions you know what I will give y'all up for adoption (laughs) I will give you up willingly you'll be wards of the state okay I'm just gonna give up my I I have no you don't want to listen fine I'm not gonna be responsible for you no more okay I'm just gonna give you up to the state he said he walked in, he asked somebody what was going on. They said, oh, well, we're about to be wards of the state. Because no one was listening. Okay? I remember that, too. I could do nothing but laugh. That brings us to you. Beautiful you. Who was born into sin. Who could have had chains of you don't know what shackled to you the moment you left your mother's womb. The moment someone caught you coming out of the canal. You had sin and uh, consequences 
and curses and who knows what that could possibly put on you from the moment you were born because of something that other people did. Right? And you walk around with this ball and chain, this yoke, these weights, this luggage, this baggage until you find Christ. Now, mind you, some of that stuff you could have did to yourself knowingly. My problem was that I used to do stuff purposely. Not that it's like if I could choose right or wrong and I feel like part of it because I was always choosing right. I had like a perception of being the good person, the good girl who did all stuff right or whatever. That used to get on my nerves. It used to get on my nerves. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand it because people would try to test my gangster because, oh, no, it's Britney. She's just good. No, I still might like act a fool on you. And just to prove you wrong, I'm going to choose something you didn't think I was going to do on purpose. Just to prove you wrong. Are you thinking I'm not capable of being just as depraved as you are? <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> I'm a psychopath too. <laughs> Don't you worry. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, no, I couldn't stand it. So I will go out of my way to choose wrong things. Not like... Like, there's not astronomically bad things I'm out here doing. But it's like, I would just do the opposite of what people thought I was going to do. Just because. And guess what that did? That, that shackled me to some foolishness. Okay? This foolishness. Like, I had no reason to get into situations I got into. None. Like, no reason. No, like, it's one thing to, like, you know, some people are just ignorant and, like, fall into it. I... Looked at the path like, this is the right path. This is the wrong path. I'm going to take the wrong path. This is the red pill. This is the blue pill. The red pill is the right pill. The blue pill is the wrong pill. I'm going to take the blue pill. Because you thought I was going to take the red pill. I was just doing stuff. Because. I know I'm not the only person out here that does, does some stuff like that. But it's just wild to me now thinking back like why did I even do it like I have no reason to be acting a fool out here like that but I did I would want to go do like get people back just because of the thought I don't know that was just wild anyways you you're saved you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior now, depending upon when you, quote unquote, got saved, because remember, I accepted Jesus Christ as a 13 year old. Then I proceeded to have a whole life. I accepted Christ again in college. Like rededicated my life to Christ after I did all kinds of debauchery. So I was like, OK, I'm trying to do this right. And then I accepted Christ again because I was still not right. So it was like. <sighs> the fact that God keeps giving us chance after chance is honestly amazing. Because there's no like for me to be here doing this, talking about God, glorifying God, like using my voice for this. This is a testament of who he is. As I just listed how I kept giving my life to Christ. That means I kept not doing what I was supposed to do kept I just continues like prodigal daughter for real like I just kept running off 
and then God will come back and snatch me up, up, up out the pig pen and put me back on the right path. And I will go down the path and then I'll run off. And he will come back and get me and put me back on the path. And I will be on the path and then I'll run off. And on this last time he snatched me up and put me back on the path, it was like, look here, little girl. It's like, I, I think I said, it's, I knew I had to get it right this past time. I'm, this this is the time I had to get it right. I have to. And I have I didn't have no more time to play. This is the time. And so I stayed. God is amazing. Jeremiah one five says, God knew you before you were in your mother's womb. God knew you before you were in your mother's womb. As we were just talking about, like before you're born, who knows what was waiting on you on the other side of the birth canal but before you were placed in your mother's womb god knew you he had plans for you he knew exactly what you were going to be he knew exactly what you were going to do like he knew you were there and so there's something that says that there's the odds of you being born are one in four hundred trillion that's the sperm and eggs calculations with the conditions and timing and all the other stuff going on one in 400 trillion eyes that you were you 420 different people could have been here but it's you why because god knew you before he put you in your mother's womb he knew you were the one that was coming out he knew it was you there's no stork that was bringing us specific. There's what's that boss baby where they have the babies. I don't know how they get that boss baby, honestly. I have to watch the movie again. But like how they just pick babies or whatever. There's another movie. What, what movie is that? Where like the soul, it's like this little soul. I think it's called soul. Huh. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but the, like the souls are on these little conveyor belt thing. And the man, he jumps off. He goes back and try to be himself again. It was weird. But, you know, it was a Pixar movie. Jesus, God knew who you were. He knew what you were going to do. He knew what mistakes you were going to make. He knew when you were going to realize it. He knew uh, what he knows what's going to happen to you in the end. Because he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He already knows your entire outcome. It's not a surprise to him. He knew you. God knows who you are. When he would place you on the earth. How many hairs is on your head. That's in Luke. Uh, All the members of your body parts. That's in Psalms. Right. He knows the plans he has for you. That's Jeremiah 29. And that in all that he still gave you free will. I.e. the going off the path continuously. But that being in the will of God, there is safety, there is peace, and there is structure for you to truly grow and evolve. So when you get to the point of being saved, because you have the free will, like you could choose not to. We see that people are choosing to do whatever they want to do. People are choosing to do some interesting things, as I can say, choosing Christ, which I like the scripture where he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. 
So we, we come to understand that we are chosen by Christ. Being chosen by Christ and accepting that. And then receiving the Holy Spirit. And then elevating ourselves through, through our time, through our our uh, study, through our relationship, through our prayers, our fasting, our giving, our um, helping the poor and the widows and the orphans, our interceding on behalf of others, not just ourselves. That gets you to your eternity. In the beginning, you were a spirit that was created by God and he was going to put you into a human body. And so he gave you a mother. Everything from that point to now, he knew it was going to happen. It's creating you. You are being created to continue to move and grow. Everything builds upon itself. What you knew when you were five, when you learned your letters, has allowed you to speak very clearly, which allowed you to write which allows you to talk, which allows you to read, which allows you to be able to write dissertations. Okay, be able to give a speech in front of a group of people who are world changers. And you have a certain idea and thought that there's something comes into your mind, you're able to make it a reality. Songs, books, the, the sheets that you're sleeping on, the clothes on your back, all that came from a thought. But the thought had to evolve into physical representation. Like I used to make movies. I love the whole concept of making a movie. I love all the aspects of making a movie. And people usually just see the end result for two hours. And it takes sometimes years to create for a two-hour sit down and then people sit and judge it is it good whatever whatever two hours from two years someone writing the script rewriting the script editing the script writing the script again finding the exact right actors going through thousands of people to get the right actors now Designing costumes to fit that perfect actor. Uh, making sure the actor deliver, delivers the lines correctly. Making sure that the set is correct every time you shoot that one scene. That we got to shoot 10 times because the person keeps forgetting their words or want to change their words. But continuity says, I have to continuously fill this glass up to this particular spot. Otherwise, it's wrong. I have to keep making sure that this flower is right here. Otherwise, it's going to be noticed by someone like me. Because I know I always do continuity stuff. All of that is important. That's just the shooting. There's the lights. There's the camera. There's the um, audio equipment. There is the people who set up and break it down. Okay. There are the people who edit it after the fact. There's the audio editors. There are the video editors, okay? They got to sync that stuff up. They probably have to re-record something. And then they got to try to make it sound like it was properly said in that moment. You ever see a movie sometimes where people are saying stuff and something like, I noticed, okay, I noticed these things or like a TV show and they have to re-record the audio. The audio sounds slightly different, but you can hear it. And then they have the person like facing 
like you see their back of their head or something because you don't see their mouth moving because what they're saying is something different. That kind of stuff. Then you have to do all the marketing and the publicity and all those things to get people to come to the premiere. Okay? You got to do all the posters and all the stuff, the teasers, okay? You tease something, you know we're near done editing the thing, okay? All of that makes a whole experience for someone to go sit down for two hours. That movie evolved from a thought as a writer, your thought being actually written completely out where there's an ending. It's a process, okay? And you live in different worlds in your head. Okay, you have your regular life, normal, right? Then you have whatever you're trying to create, which also includes a large amount of research, you, you, the stuff that is put out here is so much research that go involved. Like, okay, I want this, but I want it to be so accurate that I have to go down this deep rabbit hole of information on this one small thing because it has to be right. It has to make sense. It has to be correct. There's, there's so much to like you as the writer, you're the one who sees it, right? You see it before anyone else sees it. You see it before anyone else sees it. So the words that you're writing, you're creating because you're not just saying, you're not just writing down what someone's saying. You're writing down what it looks like. This is it nighttime or daytime. Okay. Are they inside or outside? Uh, what do they have on? What is their disposition? What is their facial expressions? They actually do all the things you wrote down as a writer you created. God being the author and the finisher of our faith, okay? He's the one who wrote it out. So all this has already been seen, it's already been done. Your job is to grow and to change and keep getting better and better and better every day. Because your your final form ends up being what God intended for you to be. To evolve looks like this. John, fisherman, mending nets with his dad and his brother. See, the man walks by, says, follow me. He's pulled. Something's pulling him to him. So he goes. He follows him. He didn't know. John didn't know that he was following Jesus into his destiny. John thought his destiny was to be a fisherman with his dad. Just to make sure you bring in a good catch every day. That's all he was trying to do. John didn't know that that day that he woke up and the nets had broke and he had to make sure they fixed the nets before they go back out again tomorrow. His brother is there with him. This is what they do day in, day out. They're used to, they've been doing it for years. They're, they get up and leave their dad in the boat. They just get up. They follow Jesus. Follow Jesus and then... Watch Jesus die. Okay. You also have before that you witnessed Jesus do miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Probably more miracles that wasn't even mentioned in the Bible he performed. Because you're there from day to night when he's healing. Those people are coming to the house that he's healing people from all their sicknesses, all their wounds, all their possessed people are coming. You're, you're with them. 
You're John. You're with them when people are just coming by the thousands, bringing their people. You're with them when they broke open the roof to lower somebody down. You're with them when the storm is raging and he gets up from his sleep and tells it to be still. You're with him when y'all leave on a boat, but then he come walking by on the water. You're with him when he's telling y'all that one of y'all are going to portray me, but it has to happen. You're with him when you see one of your friends, somebody you thought was your brother in faith, betray somebody you truly love that you know to be God. You're with him when you see him being crucified before you in front of his mother. You're with him. In front of his mom, he's being murdered by a group of people who's supposed to be your people. You're with him. You're telling me that John didn't grow? He's every day Every day he's getting better. Every day it's more fortified. Every day his financial is stronger. Every day he's being more and more mended and being more and more complex. He's advancing every single day. To the point where when Jesus dies, he comes back and you see him. A risen Jesus. He just you watch him die, but you see him again. You watch him go up and ascend into heaven. And then you do what he tells you to do, which is stay into Jerusalem. And you stay there. 50 days after he was crucified, you received the Holy Spirit. That same thing that he said you was going to get. He said that he's been telling y'all this is coming for you. And then it comes. That's another, that's a, that's, that I know he jumps leaps and bounds from that because it's not even just the Holy Spirit. It is his comprehension and his understanding that what Jesus said, he did. When someone follows through on their word for you, it, it does something like the trust is solidified. It's like, it cannot be moved. It's titanium, it's platinum, it's like whatever the strongest metal is, it's that times a thousand because it's Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit and then you go off and you're teaching and you're, you're, um, you're being an evangelist. You're out here doing all the things. You're an apostle. You're doing all the things. You're sending up churches. You're sending up people. You're laying hands. You're praying. You're fasting. You're doing all of that. You're seeing all kinds of wonders come out of your own hands because Jesus told you it would. Then what happened? You're also getting persecuted, but you're strong. You're going to keep on, no matter what they do, keep on telling the truth. that Jesus died and rose again from the dead. He's the son of God. Danae put you on an island. And as you're on that island, because you have been doing what you've been doing this whole time, you get to see Jesus again because you're in the spirit. Because for you, your spirit has evolved and grown so much from being a fisherman to this. Even when you are there in the spirit, God calls you again and says, come up hither come up higher you're already up that's like that's the part about revelation that is like ooh, knocks me over 
you're already up there in the spirit. There's somewhere else to go from here. And you know for a fact, even though there's like he like keeps going up as he's in there, keeps getting taken place, place, seeing all these different things. How are you seeing what's in heaven and what's in earth at the same time? Okay. You know what's going on on the earth and you know what's going up on up in heaven at the same time. You see the beast on the earth and you see the beast in heaven at the same time. There is a place where you can get, where you just continuously grow. You grow and you grow. You go from glory to glory. You don't stop. You keep going. Evolution evolving looks like Jesus being the word of God at the foundation and the beginning of time. Being with him, being there when man was created, being there where everything was created. Because nothing was made without him. Nothing was made. That is made, that is here. These laptops, computers, AI was made at the beginning of time. Because there's nothing that's on the earth that wasn't made by Jesus. You make man, you're there. Because God says, let us make man in our image. Who is us? <laughs> Him and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He's talking about them. Us. He is us. Jesus then decided, you know what, God, I have to go down there and save them. This is my time. I have to do this. And he goes, he comes down here, born into a virgin girl with all of that stuff going on. And he literally is now, he comes down here and becomes a child who, I'm not going to say defenseless because we know he wasn't, God is not going to let his son come down here and not have him in the defense, but he, he's a baby. Baby can't take care of themselves. He entrusted these two people, Mary and Joseph, to raise Jesus. I don't know how you raise God. Don't even know. And the fact that he humbled himself to be a baby, that means you have to learn how to walk, learn how to talk, learn how to clean yourself. All the things that we teach our children to do, Jesus did that. Everything that we do now, and this is the time before deodorant. This is the time where they had to continuously wash their feet because they wore sandals. You know what I'm saying? There was no hand sanitizer. None of that. There was no showers. There was no running hot water. Jesus could have decided he wasn't going to come until the modern age. Until all this stuff was available. But he came then to make sure he got as many souls as he could to come back to the Father. So, he allowed them to capture him. Isn't that wild? Like, Jesus put up no fight. Peter. Peter was fighting. John tells us it was Peter. It's like funny. I'm sorry. I find that to be this hilarious that in the four Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke say that somebody on Jesus' side cut that man ear off. 
John said, Peter didn't cut that man ear off. <laughs> it made Jesus have to do a miracle right here in the garden. Jesus let these people capture him. Doesn't say a word. Cause again, now he's it's it's happening. It's happening like every it's happening. Like his godship is happening. It's like it's it's bursting out of the human body. His face is shining on them, all of it. It's bursting out. If he opened up his mouth I heard it somewhere similar. Like, I feel like it's like the same thought. But that two-edged sword, I'm talking, if he opened his mouth, they would have died. Those people would have died. It's the two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. Because if he opened his mouth at the time, all of this is bursting out. Because his, his deity is about to burst out of his human form. He opened up his mouth, they're gone. They would have been goners. Okay. He had to wait. He had to do all this. He had to wait till he was on the cross. This is now we're here. Now I can speak again. He crucified. He's allowed. He allows himself to be crucified, and he's doing it for the people who are crucifying him. He is dying painfully, slowly, for the people who is doing it to him, and then ask God. Don't like forgive them for they know not what they do. Right? Lord God, forgive them because I talked to y'all about the anger of the Father because Jesus had to speak on their behalf. They had to. Jesus had to. I'm sorry. He had to speak on those people's behalf, otherwise, they would have been gone too. God wipes people out. Like, Look at the Old Testament is y'all are gone. Okay? Like, you're gone. There's no playing around with this God. And I don't know why people try it. There is no playing around. And then Jesus goes. He dies. They bury him. And then they come looking for him three days later. He's not there. Jesus only evolved so we can see it. He only evolved so we can see it. Jesus didn't have to do any of this. None of this had to be available for our eyes to see. For us to even comprehend and understand. But he did it. Now, the you that he's coming back for. He goes up to heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Waiting the time for him to mount his white horse. To come back for you. Your only job is to grow, to develop, and become better and better until your advanced state. Grow. Don't allow yourself to be stagnant. Don't allow yourself to stand still. Not this year. 2024 is going to have a lot going on in it. Good and bad. Like any year, but this year is, oh, it feels different. All you have to do is move. When God tells you to, know that the obstacles before you, you will be able to jump over them. Move with speed and trust in the spirit of truth and to grow and to evolve and to change. Whatever shell, whatever cocoon that you've been in, all 23, you've probably been in a cocoon. You've been in a shell. Even a hermit crab moves that shell off to get another one. 
even a butterfly breaks out of the cocoon. How much more will you who God has your hairs numbered? How much more do you need to change and grow and evolve? Jesus talked about how the the birds of the field, sorry, the flowers of the field are beautiful, and but Solomon wasn't even dressed as great as them. Or that the birds are fed. God is feeding birds. God is feeding uh, these wild animals. They are living and continuing on. But you, son of son of the Most High God, daughter of the Most High God, are refusing to grow. And a change in a move that has to die this year. That shell has to be left. That cocoon needs to be on the ground and empty. You have to grow this year. You have to move this year. You have to get to the spot. You have to be on your watchtower. You have to be fasting. You have to be reading your word. You have to be attending your church. You have to be helping the poor people in your neighborhood, in your city. And that person on the side of the road asked for money. That was for you. Because you don't know what's going on with that soul. You don't know what your kind word is going to do in a life of someone who is just downtrodden. All you have to do is grow. All you have to do is move. You have a responsibility to grow. You're mandated to grow. You're mandated to evolve. You are not allowed to stay the same. When you're a child, you thought as a child, you did things as a child, but now that you are a grown adult, I need you to do things like a grown adult. You put away childish things. It is childish to think you're going to stay the same. It is childish to be wet behind the ears Christian. Lukewarm Christian. Don't have no word in you Christian. Don't know what book comes after Exodus Christian. That gotta go. If you don't know how many books is in Obadiah. I'm sorry, how many chapters in the book of Obadiah. That's a problem. That's a problem. Please go look that up. Tell me how many. That's a problem. But guess what? That's not going to be your problem because you're going to grow. You're going to change. You're going to develop. You're going to get what's meant for you in this year. And the thousands of people who are attached to you, being in the right spot, they are going to get what's for them as well. Because it's never just about you. It has never been just about you. It's always been about the kingdom. It will always be about the kingdom. You moving moves the kingdom. You evolving evolves the kingdom. Your movement moves the kingdom. You jumping over the obstacles moves the kingdom. You moving with speed and the right direction towards heaven moves the kingdom. And you evolving moves the kingdom. It moves the kingdom. Your job is to move the kingdom. If you're not about kingdom business, you're in the wrong business. Though it looks like those people who are not about their kingdom business business is prospering, it will all turn into sand in their hands. But you, you the one who built your house on a rock, on the rock, on the cornerstone that was rejected, you... You're going to succeed. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. 
The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Whatever held you back before, it's not going to hold you back this year. Whatever it hindered and delayed you the last two, three years, it's not going to hold you back this year. Whatever had your mind confused will not have you confused this year. Whatever had you depressed will not have you depressed this year. Whatever had you entangled will not entangle you this year. Whatever person, human, thing, entity, whatever has been coming against you will fall this year. You're not finna, you're not staying in the same place. None of us are staying after this year. We're not, none of, not a single one of us is staying in the same place. We're all moving one way or another. But remember that where we're going to is heavenward. You're not just moving in a circle. You're not going backwards. You're going forward. You will make it to where you need to make it to because whatever happens after this year is going to be different. You hear all the syllables different. They're all is going to be different. This year is a catapulting year. So whatever 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, as it was like inching you back, 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 back. You thought you were going backwards. This year is a year that you're released. So all that tension that was pulling you, pulling you back, is releasing you this year. They'll fly and shoot you and propel you towards your goal, towards your mark. We all have different marks. All different members of one body. We all have different things to do. Some of us are kneecaps. Some of us are earlobes. Some of us are eyelashes. Some of us are toenails. Some of us are feet. Some of us are arms. Some of us are shoulders. Some of us are the organs. Some of us are the heartbeat. Some of us are the blood cells. We're all one body. And that's the body of Christ. The body of Christ has to do what it's mandated to do. Which is glorify God and bring the kingdom on earth. And I don't know about you. I'm not waiting to get to heaven to have my kingdom. I'm getting it now on this earth. While we're here, we should be able to experience God's glory here. He tells us this constantly. We have to experience it here. I have to experience it here. I don't know about you. I know I have to. Something in me says I have to. I don't know. I don't have any other options, any thoughts. Like I have, that's something I talk to God about constantly. Like you have to be glorified in my life. I have to see it here. I have to see it here. Not later either. Right now. Right now. My job is to be an example. My job is to be a sign and a wonder. My job is to prove that a girl, a random chick from... A small town in Tennessee because she gave her life to Jesus Christ now can do these signs, miracles, and wonders. Is this sign, miracle, and wonder? Is doing the God's business, the Lord's business because he has mandated it for her to do and she is doing it and he is blessing her and he is moving mountains and he's doing all those things on her behalf for the kingdom because she surrendered herself. I'm a very strong-willed person. 
very independent person. I'm very dependent on God. I'm nothing outside of God. You are nothing outside of God. When you realize that, you get so much stronger. That's the evolving. That's the move, becoming more complex. You become more complex when you realize you are nothing outside of God. You grow into a more advanced state when you realize you're nothing outside of God. Nothing. He's the one who made you. How dare you think you can do anything else outside of his will? I'm telling you, I kept going off course. He kept, it's like, I wish I could like explain how I visualize him coming like as human shaped body walking across the earth when though it's huge it's a giant it's much bigger than the earth it only takes two steps to get me up and like a big hand scoops me up out of wherever i'm at and places me back on the ground where i'm supposed to be at and i might scatter somewhere else and he does the same thing again and puts me back because i don't have a choice i have to do what i'm supposed to do some uh, some people can have a choice I know I don't have one. I thought I did. But there's no protection. There's no peace outside of the will of God. You are in turmoil. Constant turmoil. Nothing goes right. It this is what gets me like people who aren't doing right by God, who are not doing what they're supposed to do, make make it they trying to make it look like they have something going on for themselves. Whatever on the outside looks good, on the inside is ravaged. Ravaged. There's some people on the outside, their life is ravaged, destroyed. It is is disarray. All over the place. It's like you can't get into a car without your car getting hit. I know someone who's gotten to multiple car wrecks, like five or six, and like the two years I've known them. That's strange. I don't know if you that is strange. I've never seen that before in my life. You can't get, I'm like, stop driving. At this point, I don't think it's safe for you to get into a car. You've had like two or three cars, not because, oh, you know, you just balling out of control. It's because your cars are getting hit and getting totaled with you in it. If that's not an attack, I can tell you what it is. If that doesn't wake you up, I don't I don't know what's going to. You have to surrender your life. And when you do that, you're given a life. You're given something to live for and to stand for. Living inside the kingdom of God is so much better here. This is the kingdom. Like whatever I thought I was doing before, all the times I thought I, you know, gave my life to Christ. That was doing right. That's nothing compared to what I feel now. I cannot even begin to explain it. I keep trying to explain it to people. I just know that I'm better now in every way possible. I know I still do things that's, you know, human y. You know what I'm saying? Like I still, but the things that used to bother me don't bother me the same way no more. Like they have to. The, the foxes, the small foxes that spoil the whole, like, bunch, those, it's like, it has to be bigger foxes now. I need, it, at this point, I feel like it's werewolves coming after me. It's no longer a fox. 
there's something howling and literally howling in the middle of the night. Okay, trying to come for me. And even then, I'm light. I have the light inside of me. What does the light do? It's still going to destroy the things coming from me. It's it's not the same thing. Even then, when those things that seems like it's that big, I know that hey, let me down regulate my emotions because my issue used to be anger. So what do you think comes from me? Things that try to enrage me. My issue wasn't you know out here you know sleeping around with people. My issue wasn't uh drugs and stuff. You know, anger is my biggest battle. My biggest issue. So the things that come from me, like my war is usually a mental war. It wasn't like object poverty. It wasn't, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, getting into fights and getting beat up or whatever. It wasn't none of that. It wasn't no domestic abuse. It wasn't none of that. It wasn't a physical thing. It's always been a mental thing. Always been a mental thing. So it's for me, the anger was my issue. When I surrendered to God and then took up what he wanted me to take up, he's given me the power to see that, okay, the normal stuff, like they, they, they try to beef up their weapons for you. Like they thought they could shoot you with an arrow. Arrows don't work no more. They try to hit you with bullets. Bullets don't work no more. They try to throw bombs at you. Bombs don't work. They're trying to hit you with nuclear missiles now. That's shaking me. You know, sometimes I get a little shook. I ain't gonna lie. Sometimes, but then I, it's like, I know what this is. Like, okay, wait a minute. Let me pause. You know what? I'm going to step away and I go step away. Like y'all give me a second. I'll be back. Just give me a moment to calm down because what I'm not going to do is speak out of turn. What I'm not going to do is use my mouth to say something. Cause that I destroyed myself with my words. I destroyed myself cause I'm trying to destroy you with words. So technically I'm harming myself the moment I've opened up my mouth to hurt somebody verbally. That's how I know I've evolved. I don't have to get you back. You're going to get got back. Like, you know, I used to say that stuff back in the day. Like, oh, you know, it's okay. Everything comes back around. No, God is coming for you. It's not a possibility. It's a fact. He contends with those who contend with me. You want to fight me? That's on you. <laughs> that is on you. That you You will not win. I understand that. So this year, this 2024, whatever is trying to contend with you is going to contend with God. Fighting against you is fighting against God. That's the the Lord of the angel armies, that God. That one, the creator God, who knows exactly everything about that. Whoever is trying to come against you this year will not win. Whatever issue trying to come against you, whatever her uh, inherited thing was trying to come against you, it won't stand. It won't win. It all dies. A horrible flaming death. It sounds dramatic. I hope it is. I hope it is. Because the light that you have to shine, it has to be seen by the people who need to see our lights. Our light frequencies are for certain eyes and for certain people to see because what draws you to me may not draw somebody else to me. What draws somebody else to you may not draw the next person to you. Your light is set up for your people. You're not for everybody. 
You're not for everybody. Everybody's not your people. And that's okay. There's billions of us on this earth. Try to take as many people with me to heaven as I can. But the decision's not up to me. The decision's up to the people. Are you going to move? Are you going to move is the question. Are you going to open yourself up to the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth, who has defended you, who has protected you, who has preserved you, who has provided for you? No matter where you are right now, he has provided for you. He has provided life. He has provided breath. That God. I don't know about you. I'm going to stick beside him. Every day. Until I died at 120 years old. With uh, the light in my eyes not being dimmed. And some have vigor in my body. I'm staying. All I want for you is for you to move. For you to evolve. For you to grow. For you to get what's yours. What's rightfully yours. What's rightfully yours, don't let somebody take something from you. That's yours. And it's not just yours. It's your your bloodlines. It's your descendants. It's for thousands, millions of people who come after you. You're not just getting it for you. You're getting it for them. All those millions of people who are beside you. And you're affecting their families. You're affecting their lives. You're affecting their bloodline. By just being a light. Be the light. Do not let anyone else's darkness make you second guess yourself. Remember what the darkness can and cannot do. It cannot lay hold, seize, take possession, uh, detect, catch or lay hold of your mind. It cannot understand. It cannot overpower. It cannot appropriate. It cannot absorb and it is, is unreceptive. To the light. When you see someone being unreceptive to your light, you move on. Move on, please. Don't try to sit, don't go on a hill to die on for one person. That's not, that was not your ministry. That was Jesus. Your job is to either plant a seed or water a seed. You plant a seed, you water a seed. God gives the increase. And no matter what, I believe that my prayers are answered prayers. They're not just something that God hears. I believe God's going to answer my prayers. That let there be light in your life. Let there be light in your mind. Let there be light in your health. Let there be light in your family. Let there be light in your job. Let there be light in your education. Let there be light in your finances. Let there be light in your marriage. Let there be light in your self-image. Just let there be light. Let there be light. And then you stand on the fact, we'll say it's Mark 11, 24. Then whatever you pray, you believe what you say. I believe what I say is, and I believe in what I say. Because I'm praying the word of God. I believe in it. I believe in all them creatures they say they see. The beasts. I believe it. I believe that there's a dragon. Trying to eat a lady's baby when it comes out. 
I believe that there is a wheel inside of a wheel with a, a creature on top of what's a wings all over his body, eyes all over their body. Yes. I believe that there are um, angels who move as fast as lightning back and forth. Yes. I believe that there are chariots of fire and the riders are of fire as well. Who will come surround an entire city to protect you like they did for Elisha. I believe that the sun can stand still and that fire can rain down if it's called upon by the right person. I believe water can turn into wine. And that wine tastes amazing. I believe that... Whatever, if I write a vision down, that someone's going to run with it. I believe I'm, if I'm in the right place at the right time and interpret someone's dream, that I could be put, made prime minister over an entire nation. I believe because of my counsel that multiple kings can come around and I'll be advisor to them all like Daniel. And even if some haters try to arise and get me like in trouble, not only would I come out unscathed, but they will receive the punishment that they're trying to put onto me. I believe if I bless my food and give thanks and break it, I'm able to feed my entire family with something that seems so small. Thousands of people, just like Jesus did. I believe that you can cast out demons out of people I believe that your smile and your prayer you're giving to the poor is so valuable. More valuable than you know. Because you're giving unto God to his people. They can't do anything for themselves, but you're doing it for him. Again, when God wants to help a person, he sends someone. You are that someone is sent. I remember thinking, how am I, how, who's going to help these people? God was like, you, because you're thinking about it. If you're the one thinking about it, you're the one meant to help. And I'm always considering somebody's feelings. If you're the one thinking about it, if you're the one planning it, you're the one that's meant to help. Go into this year thinking about that. Whatever God puts on you, know that if it's put on your heart, it's meant for you. And act when it's put on your heart. Just like just like Abraham did. It's put on your heart, do it. Just do it. See what happens. Now, I want to pray the word of God over you. As you begin to change and develop slowly, into a better, more complex, and more advanced state. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, where we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need.
but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Thine eyes deceive my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again unto the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I want to thank you for joining me today and tuning in to another episode of Be Well With Be. If this episode resonated with you, please subscribe, comment, rate, and review the podcast. Your feedback would be the world to me. If you haven't already, follow me on Instagram at bewell underscore with B. Until next time, I appreciate you for spending time with me on this journey to complete wellness. See you in the next episode. Thank you.